Fair Dinkum. So, Uncle guys, how we doing? Welcome to another Fair Dinkum episode. Today we've got a very special guest, the three-time Premiership player, and um, in his book at the start, I think Walid Ali introduced him as the best number forty-two pick in AFL history. I agree with that statement, but then again, it's all up to, you know, it's all up to uh, people's opinion. So I want to welcome Mr. Bashahuli onto the onto the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, it's been a bit of a uh, back and forth situation, but uh, alhamdulillah, praise be to God that we're, we're here. And um, yeah, looking forward to the, uh, to the episode, episode and uh, just go easy on, on the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try my best. I'll stay away from, uh, you know, certain questions, but inshallah, don't think you're off. We're coming down to Pun Road, inshallah. We're going to have a kick. I don't I want to embarrass you on camera a little, you know. <laughs> oh, mate. Anyone, anyone can catch up. To me right now, brother, I'm, I've got old legs here. I can't even move anymore. So anyone will, will uh, be right up there with me, if not past me already. So <laughs> You helped me with the segue a little bit there. I was going to talk to you about how the calf was pulling up because last year, we know you're a big game player, mashallah. All grand finals you've played in, you've been close to, if not the Norm Smith on the day. Like how, how do you feel? Is the calf still strained from that day or is it has it been a different injury? No, it's actually the same injury. It's uh, yeah, it's funny enough. It's uh, it's it's hung around for a while. Um, so yeah, I, I did a pretty bad grand final day. There was a clean pop. So uh, you know, generally that's probably an eight week, eight ten week injury. Uh, but then playing three and a half quarters on it didn't really help. But I think anyone playing that sort of game would have would have continued and battled on. Um, so. I'm just another addition, and, uh, and anyone in my position would have done the exact same thing. But yeah, I've had a very rough preseason um, and haven't been able to get to, I guess, solid, solid training. Um, but look, at the end of the day, it's uh, the age, you know, pays its you know toll, um, <laughs> and uh, you know we, we can't get over injuries as as what we used to when we were you know 20, 22, 24 years old, but. It is what it is. I'm so grateful for the position I'm in, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm feeling well. I'm feeling good. Um, I could have been touch and go uh, for this week, but let's just see uh, how we go in the, in the coming weeks. But uh, yeah, I don't want to rush to uh, things too easily uh, and very quickly because it's a long season, and um, you know I want to be there for the majority of the season and not be that person that keeps getting interrupted with injuries. Yeah, definitely. I saw I saw you playing on. Uh... Mr. Gary Avila Jr. in that game. So he had a popped shoulder and you had a popped calf. So you guys are probably um, yeah, two of the same on that game, bro. Like I saw Vlosten go out as well. Harumi got a massive knock and he kind of didn't recover or come back. So I'm pretty sure that if you could have, uh, you could have sat out, but you had to kind of like take one for the team on that day. So good on you for doing that. I probably wouldn't have done the same. I would have had a sook in the, in the change rooms. <laughs> got an odd job down. That out. <laughs> Coach, <laughs> coach, uh, put it on me and said, oh, "I need you out there." But look, the reality is, I was there for another rotation, um, and it's a beauty about our football club. You know, we we play our role, and sometimes you can't necessarily fulfil your role, but you can be there um, and help out in many ways. Whether it's uh, you know from a leadership perspective, or it's just simply just you know my game is based on offensive power out of the back, back line. So I sacrificed that sort of role. Well, I was forced to sacrifice that role because I couldn't really have that power. 
uh, and more so just, uh, you know, played as a shutdown role and you know, not let my opposition team, I guess, score goals on me. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, one just one rotation or one player down during a game, especially at the start of the game, can make a big, big difference. And we had two down in the first, you know, 10 minutes. Maybe they had one. Uh, but people don't realise, you know, oh, it's okay, you'll play two or three guys for the rest of the game, but it takes its toll and the fatigue in the legs start to settle in, you know, third, fourth quarter. Um, but we're there, we, we, we stole the chocolates and uh, the rest is history. I was going to ask you, how did the, that grand final, because in all honesty, I, I think I lost my voice all three grand finals you guys won, but um, how did that grand final uh, weigh up in comparison to the other ones, you know, with the COVID and the bubble and all that sort of stuff? Like, I know in the book you actually said that the 2017 grand final was the peak for you, but how did this one weigh up in comparison to the others? Look, I think that the first of, of anything out there is always the special moment and it always resonates most. Um, are you, I've used the example of having your first kid as in comparison to your third and fourth and fifth kids. It's probably not the best example because that will come back and bite you. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but, yeah, normally that, the first of, of anything that happens in your life is always the, that most memorable moment. And for us, you know, we had a rough patch the year before and, you know, to bounce back from 13th position in 2016 to actually win the premiership was, was very special. Um, 19 was, was a great year as well. Well, you know, we're right up there amongst the best team in the competition and then, you know, played a team that was, you know, has been a competitor for many, many years, but we, we kind of just, um, you know, played our style and, you know, and used the crowd as an advantage. And I, I think, you know, by, by halftime, the game was almost done, or well, probably probably midway to the third quarter. But last year was um, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a tough year. It was a unique year once again for many people. But yeah, to, to be to be able to to steal a game, um, you know, halftime heads down, thinking that the game was over uh, for many people. But we we knew within our system that if we stuck to our structures, we'll we'll bounce back and chip away. So it's amazing when it. When the one quarter, that last quarter, um, you know, there, there, there's a winner off that one one quarter. So having the experience that we've had and the confidence and the recent history of success, we knew we, knew we had the legs in, our, in us to, to, to go all the way. And uh, thank God for Dustin Martin because uh, and he was the difference and he's been a difference for the last three premierships, that's for sure. Amazing, amazing. I was going to actually ask you about that. I was going to say after like the, the first half, and then you saw the last two minutes, and then Dusty got the ball and ran through the midfield, and he split that. He split, split it through the, the big sticks. I remember looking at my older brother, and I nodded at him because my older brother's a massive Richmond fan. And I remember <laughs> looking at him, and I'm like, "Bro, I think it's on, man." He looked at me, and he goes, "Nah, Dangerfield's been on it." I'm like, "Bro, don't worry about Dangerfield. I gotta see this turning." And he goes, "Nah, that's it." He goes, "After this, I'm not questioning you anymore." <laughs> so, alhamdulillah, you got me right, bro. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, um, I was going to also ask you about that goal in the 2017 Grand Final. You know, the arms up. I think uh, that profile picture was every person in Newport's profile picture for the next three weeks after the granny. How, just just give me give me a little glimpse into it. Like, how did it feel? Well, I think your one was for three weeks, but my one is for like four years. So it's still my, uh, what do they call it? My pick that I go with everywhere. No, I'm joking. 
I know my dad hasn't taken it off off his uh, his background, but um, look, as a halfback, it's very hard to kick goals these days, and um, to be able to you know be a bit aggressive going forward in such a big game, you know, there was uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit gutsy by me, and but that's just the way I play. I play with instinct. I just like to play my way, and 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 and, and Damien Hardwick tells me to play that way. You know. We've got you in that position to to go forward, and when you can influence the play, do what you need to do. Um, so, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, you know I got up in that position. There was a bit of space between Dustin and, and that next forward, and I thought you know, I might creep in and see here if I can uh, get a mark and go back and hopefully have a shot at goal. But it dribbled. I grabbed the ball. I never ever snapped the ball or banana yeah. kick with bullet and. Um, I kid you not, I've tried that that many times at training post that moment and I can't kick a goal. So I think <laughs> I'm glad to say that Allah was on my side. So alhamdulillah. <laughs> you, got, you got the bit of divine will there, bro. Alhamdulillah, man. That is, yeah, bro. Because for me, I think I think I can actually speak for everybody in Altona North in Newport. I think any Lebanese person or Muslim person that watched that game, I think we all helped or willed that through as well, bro. Because... I'm telling you, that whole game just filled his nerves. Like whenever, for example, we got Khabib fighting or you playing in a grand final or in a normal game, even if I'm a even though I'm a Bulldog supporter, I'm always like, come on, I hope Bash gets like 30 posies and kicks a couple goals as well, inshallah. So yeah, alhamdulillah, like that was the big moment, not just for you, I think for the whole community, bro. And I, I can see where you come from. I really appreciate that. It's uh, it's very humbling. Um, but I'm in that same position as well when I see, you know, Adam Saad playing. Uh, except against us, of course. But um, I want him to dominate competition. I want him to become all Australian. I want him to be, win the BNF. I want him to. I want his team to win when they're not playing us, I guess. Um, and then the same thing with Khabib and, and all those prominent Muslim stars. You know, the, the one thing that we have, and we we you know we um, is huge in our in our in our way of life, I guess, being Muslims is is the brotherhood. And when you see other brothers succeed. It puts a big, big smile on your face because when that brother succeeds, you succeed, and that's that's the beauty of uh, of the beautiful saying of our prophet, peace be upon him, Prophet Muhammad. Uh, you know, he say he says you should love for your brother what you love for yourself, and I think if you can attain that, if you can get to that stage, which I'm not saying I'm at that stage, I've got a long way to go, um, but if you can taste that sort of sweetness when you're loving the, your brother what you love for yourself. I think you've tasted the, tasted the true sweetness of faith. Um, so, you know, I ask a lot for us to all become that type of people because that saying there is special because it teaches you not to be selfish, rather, you know, being selfless and thinking about others around you. Um, and you know what? You, you, can, you can limit it to, a, to your Muslim brother, but I think if you, can, if you can have that mentality for all types of people, it's a special, special quality, uh, Muslim or non-Muslim. Um, I was going to, yeah, I was going to touch on the fact that you kind of like even admit in the book that you kind of have these shortcomings as well, your insecurities. And I, I think I, when I opened it, I looked at the contents page. First thing I saw was insecurities. And the boys know how much I love talking about like the, the whole, um, like admitting your faults and like um, in order for you to be a whole man, you have to be able to, to admit that you've got things that you're not, you're not proud of inside you you know and there's things that you're struggling with and that you're working with and usually 
whenever we see you on a big scale, you know, like we see in the media or we see, it's either something extremely good or it's either something extremely bad. Like for example, the, um, the, the incident where you got suspended for, I think four games, was it? Yeah. So like, yeah, I, like for, for me, seeing you develop on, for example, watching one of the other boys that were on half back in the same position as you in Richmond and seeing how you were like, oh, I'm, I'm, I see them when I sit out and I'm like, I'll probably never get a game again. And that stuff kind of plays on you and you're struggling with these jealousies. I, I just want you to develop a little bit on that and just the fact that you, you, you're like, um, your struggles in its like, like internal struggles as a, as a Muslim athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, here I am a few minutes ago talking about loving for your brother what you love for yourself. But like I said, I'm, I'm not perfect. And, I, and it goes through my system, um, especially when it comes to your job and, and your life. You know, ultimately, we, we, we should depend purely on God who uh, you know, provides us sustenance. And the reality is he's written what we're going to have and what we're going to achieve in our life. So... If we can always think about that, then we're all sweet. But human beings, we're naturally weak. We make mistakes um, and we're, we're imperfect. So, yeah, I had that a few times throughout my, my career. Um, you know, especially when you, when you start to doubt yourself and you think, oh, hang on, I'm out of the team for X amount of weeks. You know, all it takes is one other player to come in, fulfill his role, and then it becomes a bit of a battle. So, yeah, part of me was a little bit whilst I want that person to do well, you know, I don't want him to do as well so I can come back in. And I think majority, if not every player in the competition would go through the same same thing because everyone fears to an extent their position and their role. And, yeah. you know, if someone else walks in and plays that role, then your job's on the line. But like I said, it's, it's, it happens natural, naturally. And I'm, I'm gonna, not going to speak on everyone's behalf, but for me, yeah, I was, I was weak at times. God forbid I didn't wish them to suffer any bad injuries, of course. And that's if you're wishing that upon people, then you've got a big, big issue and a big problem. But all I wanted them is to not play as well so I can come back in and uh, do what Bashar Huli continues to do. So, but look, you know, at times my coach would call me. You know, he called me if, last week and I felt I felt that I was in the same position to be quite honest insecure but like I've been I don't have haven't had a pre-season all you know obviously for three months I haven't trained with the group has Dimmer forgotten about me completely um and then last yeah last week he called me and said that uh you know what's your gut feeling about next Thursday night and I thought to myself wow that's powerful you know you know he, he still raised me um <laughs> he still sees a you know, a position for me in that back line, even though I haven't trained once with the group. So um, I felt special at that time. I felt wanted. And, um, you know, whilst I want to be playing, the reality is I've got to listen to, you know, the physios and that um, and, and do the right thing. So, but yeah, insecurity, it's part of life, man. It's part of life. We all feel insecure at times, but I don't care how pious you are, how God-fearing you are, you know, you suffer at times. But alhamdulillah, we have Islam. We have, like mentioned before, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, has planned for us, you know, many years before we were born what we're going to have and what we're going to be. So if we can every now and then remind ourselves, it'll make us snap out of that insecurity. Um, so alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So I was going to ask you what, this, what the, um, 
the verse in the Quran, Inna ma'al usri yusra, means to you. But I'm pretty sure you kind of summed it up there, <laughs> to be honest with you. It's just being able to, for at least for myself, when I look at the, the term Inna ma'al usri yusra, I'll always look at it as like, if I just relax a little bit now, yeah, the later on, inshallah, Allah will take care of it. And there's always ease with hardship. And subhanAllah, I can, I kind of like, I put myself in your situation at Essendon, for example. And then I see a player who can see his talent in himself. And he, he can like, especially with VFL, you said 13 games, you only played in the VFL and you finished second in the BNF. And then you're not getting a run in the team, in the, in the first team. And you don't really, you can't really like put your finger on why, you know. And it's kind of like you feel like you're a scapegoat at times and then you're struggling with different reasons, but you're never getting the, the full story. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, especially about your time at Essendon in comparison to your time at Richmond, like how much is Dimmer's emotional intelligence um, as a coach? How important is that in the development of not only yourself, but the players around you? Yeah, it's, it's a very, very important uh, quality to have when you're a leader of the football club. You need to have a balance of, you know, what works for you and then also far greater what works for the team at large. And being a coach, it's, it's very hard, man. It's very, very hard. Um, you know, I think gone are the days where there's just hard, hard coaches that you can't really have a conversation with. Today's coaches, and I see it firsthand with Damon Hardwick, is a, is a guy that makes you makes you feel comfortable. He makes you feel wanted, makes you feel special, regardless if you're playing or not playing. He always reminds you of your great qualities. Um, but at the same time, he's very, very truthful. He's very honest. You know, if you're struggling in an area, he'll tell you you're struggling in an area. But he knows how to put a hand or arm around you and tell you that I still rate you and I believe in you. I'm talking about other players, of course. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, very, very important to have a good balance. You've got to be hard when you have to. But at the same time, you know, as players, we're... You know, we're weak at times, we struggle at times, and we need that support. And I, th I think that's the, the special part of our culture at Richmond Football Club where we've got so many people to fall back on and, and to, to help us through those situations because we're all vulnerable at times, okay? Part of being, excuse my friend, like my saying, but part of being, being a man is, and a true man is about putting your hand up and speak to people and tell them that you're, that you're struggling. And it doesn't only refer to being men, but even like, being a lady, a woman, we shouldn't bottle things up. We need to open up and speak to people. And I think that's what uh, our club is very, um, it's very special for, for that reason. And you see a lot of people out in society these days are just bottling everything in, you know, can't handle certain things. Um, and then you have no other, other avenue then to, to cause harm for themselves. But, you know, football is very harmful if you, if you let things bottle in. You know, because you can doubt yourself, you feel like you're not wanted. So I think it's very important, just in general, to, to speak to someone that can help you out. And there's always at least one or two people out there that can help you out and assist you through any situation. Definitely. Like we saw um, Tom Boyd, how he quit football because he started to see the, um, the effects of bottling up his, uh, his issues and mm -hmm. like saw the toll on his mental health that that I had. So, yeah, you're pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty safe to say that it is. It's like having, I think, like a million people support teams or in the AFL. Like, you have at least a million people watching the AFL at a time. And then you kind of have to just weigh in that you have two million sets of eyeballs just 
looking at you this whole time and judging you and then you have this abuse you have to deal with like how do you yourself how do you deal with the abuse do you ignore it or do you kind of like you don't internalize it or like what, what's the go like how do you take, take yeah, I, I have a method i just go with the flow but look for me i, I thank allah that i uh of being able to to be a practicing muslim for for a number of years now alhamdulillah and inshallah by the will of allah i'm only getting stronger but i always refer back to um the teachings of islam and the way our prophet taught us to live life and you know when you look at someone who was um was harmed there was none more harm than our prophet our beloved prophet peace be upon him you know he was he was loved in his time he was known as the most trustworthy man you know he was a simple person and all of a sudden he received prophet and i'm going a little bit off topic but i'm just telling you referring it back to how i've lived life yeah. okay and i think it's a, it's, it's a teaching for, for people out there as well about this about the greatest man that ever lived being the prophet peace be upon him you know he was a simple man and when he received prophethood from 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 the angel and then he went back and told his town and his people who were kind of like they were idol worshippers or didn't believe in God at all at the time. They 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 abused him. They caused him the worst of they called him the worst of worst names. They you know stoned him. They they harmed him. They drove him out of his hometown. Why? Because he believed in one God. You know, I remember one city he went to visit, um, and uh, you know the worst of the worst happened. The young kids drove him out of the town. They threw little pebbles at him. They harmed him. They made him bleed. And the angel came down and said that, what do you want me to do with them, O prophet of God? You know, any other person out there would say, just destroy him, turn this mountain upside down. But he said that, don't do anything. He goes, because one day from the offspring of these people, you know, there, there could be good people that come out of this. And subhanAllah, that whole town became Muslim. Uh, many years after, or shortly after that. So through his through his love and mercy and compassion for humanity at large, you know, he was uh, he was a special special person. So we, I guess, as Muslims, should look no further or know nothing beyond our beloved Prophet because he taught us the way of life. And I think we, if we can implement that in our life, yeah, it's different times, but still, you know, it's same situations. How to do with people? How to do with Muslims? How to do with males, females? Your elders, your young, how to do everything in life. He taught us. He paved the way for us. So, generally, I look back, uh, my brother, and uh, and I look at the teachings. And alhamdulillah, I do my best to implement those teachings, uh, and it helps me put a smile on my face and get through life every single day. So, but once again, I am human, and sometimes I do second guess myself. So, um, but I'd like to say proudly that I've got a true way of life, a true purpose in life that gets me through and out of any situation, inshallah. Alhamdulillah. I was going to ask you what the message to your young, to the younger Basha, if you could look back at, like we are talking about before, spiky hair Basha with the uh, the little goatee. What message <laughs> to the younger Basha? I've been asked this question before, man, to be quite honest. And, um, you know, I wouldn't change anything. I feel I feel proud the way I've gone about life. Um, you know, I feel like I've achieved what I've had to achieve. I've been, um, yeah, I'm just kind of, alhamdulillah, very proud of how I've tackled every part of life. And I can't really think about any situations where I'd love to take back and do it in a certain way. Um, 
yeah, I'm just I'm pretty happy and content, man. So alhamdulillah, I've been very blessed. Alhamdulillah, very very blessed, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't take anything away or, or take anything back. So alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I think it's part of like you were saying from before, the qadr of Allah, which means the um, obviously what well, Allah's predetermined for us, and we know as Muslims that everything kind of sets itself up for who you're supposed to be in the future. So kind of like everything has a reason for occurring. So yeah, well, alhamdulillah, bro. I was going to ask you about also, um, because obviously playing football is something that people would look at as dunya stuff, you know, something that you do for you, this world and to benefit you. How do you mix or how do you balance your striving for the akhirah and you're striving for, for the, the fruits of this world as well. It's a battle, bro. It's an absolute battle. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people out there are going through the same, same situation. Um, you know, having that balance of, yeah, hereafter and this life. And how do you, you know, how do you balance it and get the right, the right mix? And subhanAllah, we know the sayings of our prophet, peace be upon him. But yeah, at times we struggle, you know. It said in a beautiful saying that if you compare the life of this life and the life of the hereafter, it's like, you know, when you get a pin and you dip in the ocean and you pull that pin out, whatever water is left on that pin, which is bare minimal, if anything, is this life in comparison to the whole ocean that is existence or existing in front of you. This is the, this is the hereafter. So there's no comparison, but... Yeah, man, we're so we're striving and we're struggling and we're suffering at times, you know, for this life because I think that's 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 the weakness of, of, of human being. But how do I balance to the best of my ability? I've got certain things that are non, non-negotiable that keep me steadfast and keep me intact when it comes to, to faith, apart from my whole life, you know, implementing, uh, you, know, um, you know, the person I am today through character, etc., um, non-negotiables such as, you know, visiting the mosque regularly. Um, a minimum, minimum, bare minimum, I've been doing it at least I mean, since I got my license, is praying the last prayer and the first prayer of the morning in the mosque. And I think that is negotiable because I know, I know the true reward that I'll get from the Almighty for that. Um, so that's absolute non-negotiable. Um, I like to do my best to, you know, attack, attack Ramadan with everything that I have in me. In terms of from a worship perspective and gaining that God consciousness, another time I love I love going to pilgrimage, doing Umrah, performing Umrah at least once a year. Last year was the first year I hadn't done it for you know for six years, and there's a massive hole that was left. But God that Allah, and uh, it didn't happen for, for those reasons. But yeah, man, just like every now and then, you know, we have a chat between the boys, and you know, we we're chasing and we're trying to make that extra inch and money, etc. For this life, you just, we just, I just think sometimes I just take a step back and realize I keep chasing my tail for what? Yeah, it's yeah. important to set a future up for my kids and kids' kids, etc. But the reality is they'll live, they'll manage, they'll get through. You know, if you're spending extra three or four hours at work instead of spending probably one or two hours with your kids and the other one hour, you know, gaining knowledge about your your religion and 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 gaining like better qualities uh, from a Muslim perspective, you know, how to treat people, etc. I think that's outweighs that three or four hours that you're going to spend at work, which eventually you're going to spend it or your kids are going to spend it. And they'll live. Like the reality is we, we, we were brought up, like my parents didn't give me anything from a, from a from, you know, materialistic uh, perspective, but 
they gave you, you know, many other things that, you know, you can never, ever repay, pay back, respect, honour, um, you know, the, the, the confidence to practice my deen, my deen, my religion, and to, to be the person I am today. So that's, 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 that's special. But, you know, they didn't leave a house in our, in our names. They didn't leave cars, Lamborghinis, etc. Now, you know, our kids will live. So every now and then, we, I have that moment, bro. And I'm going a little bit on in detail, but I have that moment where I just step, take a step back and, you know, I'll knock, I'll knock back a, like an appearance that is worth big money for, you know, the fact that I want to balance and spend time with the kids. Or, you know, I want to go out, I want to go out camping for that night. It's not all about money. It's about enjoying the moment you're in, providing you stay away from what's impermissible. Alhamdulillah, I could quietly, I could say that I've got a pretty good balance in my life, inshallah. You can always do better um, yeah. and you never, ever, ever be complacent with the position you are. But inshallah, on the right track, inshallah. Nick, you're right, because um, there's a saying, I'm not too sure if it's a hadith or if it's a, if it's a, um, if it's a verse in the Quran, I'm not too sure, so... I'm just going to paraphrase, but it's basically like when you chase money and you make money the main source of life for yourself, Allah will put poverty in between your eyes and you can, like, that means like you'll never end up getting to it. Like you'll never catch it because you can't see something you can't catch. So yeah. you can't catch something you can't see. So it's like, yeah, that that's something I like keeping at the back of my mind when, for example, you're feeling the pressure because obviously we grew up, both of us have Lebanese parents. Lebanese parents are very... Like they love, they love business. They love, you know, like the fish and chip shop and my old man had a fruit and vegetable shop and we were growing up, you know, like I think we kind of had a similar upbringing where it's like, you finished school yet? So, so it's good to, it's good to like remember that they had to struggle for us to get this freedom, you know? Mm. And um, which brings me to another chapter, standing on the shoulders of giants. Like what does, what does your mom and your dad mean to you like, like, give me one word, just one word to describe what your mom and your dad means to you. What they mean to me, well, the one word that comes to mind is, is Jannah. So for those who don't remember or know what that word Jannah means, it means paradise. So when I think of my parents is how can I best serve them in order to achieve paradise? And we... Uh, as Muslims believe in the hereafter, we believe in heaven and hell. And the reality is, there's going to come a day where we're going to be told one way or the other. And there are many sayings of our beloved prophet, peace be upon him, who reminds us to serve your parents' feet. Make sure they're pleased. Make sure they're, that, you're, that you're, you're pleasing them in every aspect of your life, respecting them, protecting the honour, um, serving them, with taking care of them. So that's that one word. I think of Jannah. When I think of that, uh, it automatically makes me serve my parents to the best of my ability because I know I've got faith in our, in our religion that if I serve my parents, I do the basics of our fundamentals in Islam, like praying, fasting, giving in charity, etc. I know that I'll get to Jannah because that's what Allah and our Prophet has promised. So, um, yeah, man, that's, that's probably one word that I can that I can use to, uh, when I think about my parents. I was going to, on the topic of the old man, I was going to ask you if you still remember um, when Fitzy rocked up to the old man's fish and chip shop. <laughs> <laughs> on Before the Bounce. 
you still discover uh, a, a bit of a remember uh, a memory of that? I do, man. I love Sopanalo. Just pure innocence, pure innocence. Here you have my, my brother, my, my my dad, so serious, trying <laughs> to advertise the business, and Fitz is just taking the <laughs> pee out. <laughs> but at the same time, obviously playing his role because that's just the sense of humor he has. So, no, great, great moments. But um, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely remember that, man. <laughs> Many years ago, yeah. Many years ago. I think, I think um, that was one of the most iconic videos in Newport for at least a solid three weeks, four weeks, bro. <laughs> and then even then, sub. I don't know if people still remind Louis about it, but <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. I, I, yeah. <laughs> he can't stand it. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring it up because I know that it was um, I'd say it was very. I don't know. It was it was good. It was good uh, to shine a bit of light on, you know, like the um, because you usually always see your family in the light where it's like, you know, you talk about the war torn country coming from there, and then your mom and your dad being opposed to the religion, and they kind of see that there's a bit of humor to your family as well. You know, it's like humanizing us as Muslims. So I wanted to ask you, like, how important is it to kind of humanize us? Like, like I know that it's not our job to kind of like um, to tell people, hey, we're normal, you know, like we do everyday things too. Just because we follow a religion doesn't mean we don't struggle with the same things you guys struggle with. But there's a concept that a couple of brothers, um, a couple of brothers that uh, they do lectures in the UK, they were talking about humanizing Muslims to society in general. Um, like, uh, what? Like, is that part of your plan? Like, as a as a as a footballer, like, um, would you say that it's important for us to humanize ourselves? Look, at the end of the day, we've, you know, we're Muslims. We're proud Muslims, inshallah, and we're proud of what we follow in terms of our values, etc. Now, there's certain things that you know it's a, it's non-negotiable unless you know you allow it to be. That, you know, for example, I just use myself as an example. Um, and, yeah, I wasn't perfect at the start, but I've grown confidence and um, you know, I felt like a sense of belonging in my industry to be able to become this person I am today. You know, there's certain things in my life that I can't, I can't do or I choose not to do uh, with the boys, and it kind of affects, you know, my further relationships with them, so going out, drinking alcohol, that sort of stuff. And... Um, and, and my teammates are very, very, very respectful. But what I do for my end is, okay, how do I make up for this? Like not trying to, you know, say that, you know, I want, I want to be doing what you're doing and I need to make up for it. But in a way that strong, that Islam, yeah, there's certain things that we we can't do from a, from a religion perspective, but there are many things to socialise or many ways to socialise and come together. So I have a massive emphasis on, you know, going out with the boys all the time with, for lunch and breakings. I invite them over for barbecues, show them our tradition, our ways, okay? Uh, and I try my best to be extra, extra generous um, in many ways, you know, whether it's paying for, for, the, for the bill, um, even though they're probably earning three times as much as me. But I just show them the generosity and, and the beauty of Islam in many ways, okay? And... Um, and I'd have to change my ways. And a matter of fact, I get teammates always remind me, don't ever change your ways. Be authentic and be true to your ways because you obviously believe them for a reason and, and they've got you to where you have got to um, mm. through going through, you know, having those specific values. 
So when you've got people around you that are encouraging to continue to follow what you follow and believe what you believe in, it makes it a bit easier. But at, at the start, it was a little bit hard trying to find that com the comfort to come out and, and change my ways to a bit. So in my life, it's, it just didn't happen with a snap of the finger. It took, it took a bit of time. Um, and I was affected a little bit by probably the dust, the dust of Haram, you know, going to a function that was, you know, there was a lot of alcohol there and that. But I always thought, okay, how can I make the most of this situation? Yeah, I'm in an environment, for example, there are, there's alcohol around, there's mixing of men and women, et cetera, which, you know, we need to be careful from a, from a religious perspective. But how can I maximize that moment and teach people about Islam? So, you know, I would use that moment to not have this attitude, well, you know, I just don't want to be here. I feel uncomfortable. And then that people, they look at you as a, probably an arrogant person or person that just doesn't want to be there. Rather, you know, being upbeat and teaching people about the people we are, about Islam, having that conversation about Islam. Because I, I think about it, you know, these people, that's probably the first time they ever met a Muslim and have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. I'm not saying to go and journey yourself in that environment, but I was forced in that environment. So when I'm forced in that environment at the time, how do I make the most of, most of it? How do, I, how do I make productive conversations? Um, so I felt like I was the winner from that perspective, and I ask a lot to, to you know, to to uh, to forgive my shortcomings. But we all know that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala judges us, judges us upon our, our intentions. So, inshallah, I can say my intentions were pure uh, and pure, purely just to teach people about, you know, the beauty of Islam, the peaceful Islam. Um, the Islam that promotes harmony rather than destruction, inshallah. Um, I won't hold you up too much longer. I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the the, um, the documentary on uh, Amazon about making your mark. How did it feel not only being put in a situation that where you're out of your comfort zone in the bubble, you kind of didn't get to see family as often and stuff like that, and then to add to it, you had these cameras following you guys around. Was it a little bit intrusive or did you just see it as a, like a normal day? Look, I, I, I was in a different hub. You know, I stayed in a different hub because I had my wife and kids with me. So, you know, we actually stayed with, the, with, the, with some of the, the camera crew back in the other hub. And, you know, we had conversations away from when the cameras were out. Um, I didn't think much of it, but it kind of was was in your face to a lot of the boys, especially especially at the players' hub. Um, and um, yeah, at the time, it, it got a little bit irritating. But I think of anything, we, we we soon after accepted it, um, not not realizing the outcome of it, but just accepting it because there was a goal there, and there was something potentially positive to come out of it. So we were, we accepted it. And, uh, and made the most of it. So made the people that were, you know, following us around feel comfortable, feel part of the extended family, which is the Richmond Football Club. And once again, that's why I, I always commend the culture at our football club, because regardless of who you are, when you come in, we accept you for who you are and make you feel very comfortable. But, you know, we speak to a few players, they felt a little bit uncomfortable at times because, you know, it was, uh, you know, intruding on their privacy. Imagine someone, you know, having a camera in your face 24-7, it's, it's, it's quite tough. But now when you look back at the doco and, the, you know, those snippets that you're seeing in the doco, it actually kind of like, you feel, makes it, it's, you, you feel very proud of it because you realise what a journey it was and to have it all captured on camera, the good moments, the bad moments, the challenging moments, 
the highs, the lows, you realize, wow, what a year it was. Because I'm, I'm one to forget. I'll be honest. I'm one. I don't hold on the past. I just live in the moment and look forward. But to realize what we went through as human beings, as a football club, as a code, um, it was very, very challenging. So it reminds you, it reminds you of those times of hardship, and realize that we go back to that verse. You know, after hardship comes ease. And Subhanallah, we're in the ease moments at the moment. Whilst you thought it was such a hardship back then, so. Yeah, the time very in your face. Um, I never it never affected me personally, but it's all worthwhile when you look at a documentary and you realise uh, what a journey it was. And who better to share it with than the um, the Richmond Football Club? Eh? I was going to ask you about um, who the toughest opponent you've ever played against was. So it could yeah. be when you were playing at Essendon or whether you were here in Richmond. The, the ones that were always very challenging were, well, like, um, my indigenous indi indigenous brothers, you know, Eddie Betts, um, Siri Rioli. You know, these guys, every time you went ne next to them, my whole body would shake, not realising not realizing what their next turn looks like. So it was almost like when the ball would come off hand and the ball bounces the other way, you'd, you'd fist bump and you realise, yes, thank God it didn't come our way because this person is going to make me look so stupid. Yeah. Um, definitely Eddie Betts one Siru Rialdi was another one um, I reckon those two boys really really touched me up a number of times um, so yeah so every time I look at a player that's kind of similar in style I look at the younger boys and say yep you can take him I'll get this old bloke right here <laughs> uh, so yeah I don't. I, I could never keep up with people that with that sort of speed and agility anymore. So, yeah. And um, last question. Um, overall, best teammate. You can go based off of um, like uh, like what they like what they give beyond the actual game, or mm -hmm. you can talk about he just just performance wise. Who's the best teammate you've ever had? Uh, it's kind of a lot. This morning I was actually writing a text about this person. Uh, just memorable moments that we need to share or want to sh show our gratitude towards this person and how this person is so special um, to our football club. And now Trent Cotchen is, is, is the person I'm talking about. You know, he's a skipper of our football club. And I talked about how well-balanced as a human being he is. You know, people who, who are leaders of football clubs or leaders of industries don't tend to have good balances in their life. You know, it would go hard in one way and then forget it or neglect other things in their life. But I feel like he's got such a good balance. And it's taken time, don't get me wrong. Like, as a young kid, he would have worked his way through this and got a lot of help through it. But I, I look at it now as a 31-year-old year old, um, and, and, and seeing him for, for, for the last few years now, how balanced, well-balanced his life is from a football perspective, from, you know, uh, leading one of the best teams in the competition, how he is with his family, his wife and kids, his extended family, how he makes time for his other work and, you know, how he makes time also to make himself excel in life and grow. You know, he's got a beautiful saying, and I, I want to share this with everyone. And I always use it now to my, my academy boys because it's great, such a great saying. If you're not growing, you're dying. And he really implements that in his life. 
So he's always looking for ways to learn. And this is a great lesson for us, you know, for example, for us as Muslims as well. You know, just, just when you think that, oh, I'm going so well from a deep perspective, I pray, I fast, I'm doing my sunnah prayers, I'm giving this charity, I've learned this and this that much for the Quran. Don't ever be satisfied with the position you are. Always humble yourself, always have that want and that need to gain knowledge, to become that better, become that better person. So, you know, I, I implement this saying into my life in many, many ways. And number one, from a deep perspective, don't ever be complacent. Um, with the position, position here, always look to better and, uh, and make yourself grow or help yourself grow. So, yeah, he's definitely one that I was uh, that, I, that I admire as a person, as a player. That's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, he usually does the things that nobody notices. Like you see, obviously, Dustin Martin is a very talented footballer and he, he, he deserves all the praise that he gets. But then you see someone like Trent Cochin doing the hard yards in order for someone like a Dustin Martin to be able to do what he does. It's, uh, yeah, very um, under the radar, I should say. Yeah, so. And you know what, yeah. like I said, that's, that's a sign of uh, humility. You know what I mean? He's just a very humble man, prefers to do things whilst people are not watching. So I think it's a great quality to have. Well, we can nudge him towards the, the, the dean a little bit more, inshallah. <laughs> God has come. Lord, brother, we can try, we can do our little bit. Um, the true guidance comes from the lost panel data, so come with them. Thank you very much for talking to me, Basha. I wanted to, to say, whoever has not got this book yet, who's watching this right now, I'm telling you now, I'm the type of guy, if you watch the last podcast about is reading dead, yeah, I'm the type of guy to say that autobiographies are a no-go, but this, honestly... MashaAllah, I actually really rated this book. It um it gives you a different perspective for somebody. Can't you see? I'm a... <laughs> yeah, um, it gives you a different perspective on life in general. And you start to see that even the people that you see on TV who look like they've got no issues, they kind of they kind of do in the background, but they just they just don't have to show it to you. So I thank you very much, Basha, for even putting this out. You and it's actually a very good work, mashallah. And um, also, I wanted you to, I wanted to give you the time to plug your foundation because I know it's very important, especially for me growing up when I used to be a, a kid playing at Spotswood, looking for, a, looking for another go besides Western Jets or besides, um, besides Vic Metro, uh, looking for another avenue to get into some sort of footballing journey. Um, yeah, just, just plug the Bashahulu Foundation for yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, alhamdulillah, a lot of people know about the foundation and... Uh... You know, humble beginnings trying to create programs for, uh, for young Muslims growing up in this country um, to, to where we've got to right now, establishing the foundation. We're just a, a foundation that wants to give back um, to our younger brothers and sisters. And I say brothers and sisters because initially we started just with male programs and, and having football as that true vehicle to get this youth together, teach them a thing or two about football, how to excel them and make them better footballers, but far greater and something I'm more passionate about is making them better Muslims and better leaders, inshallah, living in this fortunate country. So I felt like, why do our Muslim sisters miss out? Whilst I don't focus on football, this is not my, not my priority. I do want to see our young sisters active. Um, so we promote physical activity, you know, how to stay fit, how to make yourself look good and feel good, you know what I mean? Very important. 
But like I said, far greater, what I'm more passionate about is making a difference in their life and helping them making good, good decisions in life and using my experiences that I've had through a life, throughout my life. And that's probably one of the toughest industry, football, and at the same time, how do you uphold your true identity as proud Australian Muslim? So just sharing my knowledge, sharing my experiences to the, this, this next group coming up. And, um, you know, inshallah being that, uh, I, love, I don't like using the word role model, but just a person that they can lean a shoulder to and ask a question to when they're ever in help or never in need of one. So, um, yeah, it's, we, we, we have other programs as well, not just, you know, just the football programs. We've got employment programs as well. We've got school, school competitions that we run. Um, so, humble, we're a national program, and uh, yeah, we're just proud of our work, inshallah. You know, at the end of the day, it's very rewarding when you see a young male or female in your community change for the better, you know, to, to become better leaders, better Muslims. So, yeah, we want to see young Muslim boys make to the AFL, but the reality is it's very tough. It's so tough. You have to be fully, fully committed um, and have the talent, etc., cetera, to, to get there. But what goes far beyond a short football career is the person you will be for the rest of your life. So that's why we focus on decision-making, leadership, being proud of Muslims, because um, that's something that will last forever. Apart from uh, Otherwise, football lasts 5, 10, 15 years and, uh, and you move on. So, inshallah, we're on the right path and we're going to continue to grow because if you're not growing, you're dying uh, and we'll continue to grow our programs uh, and continue to, to, to hit a lot of people out there in a positive way and... Uh, and make the, make a difference in society, inshallah. Beautiful. May Allah accept it from you, inshallah, Bash, mate. I really, really appreciate you having you on. And inshallah, like I was saying from before, don't think you're running away from that football competition, inshallah. <laughs> we'll see you at Pud Road I'll, soon, yeah? I'll meet you at Newport Power Football Club, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Thanks, Bash. Thank okay. you very much. Appreciate it. All the best. Assalamu alaikum. If you haven't already, don't forget to comment, like, subscribe on the channel, inshallah. We're almost on a thousand subscribers. And um, yeah, like we were saying, honored to have Mr. Huli on. And um, we'll see you guys very soon. Take care.